The first reading for our observation of All Saints Day comes from the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is the word of the Lord. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The epistle reading, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the first letter of St. John, the third chapter. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, kiddo, let's see what you've got. Now, if I'm helping a six-year-old learn how to play t-ball, this is a perfectly acceptable thing to say. If I'm interviewing someone to be my corporation's next CEO, that's kind of an insulting phrase, isn't it? For most of us, it is kind of insulting to be called a child. Even as a child, we don't like to be called a child. We want to be grown-ups. We want to be mature. We want to be responsible. Being called a child kind of implies a lack of understanding, a lack of sophistication, a lack of wisdom. Being called a child means that we are beneath others, that we're not able to do what we want to do, that others decide when we go to bed, when we can have a cookie, when we can do whatever it is that we want to do. And we resent those things because we want to be in control. We think we know everything, We think we don't need anyone watching over us, and we want to be an authority unto ourselves, doing whatever we please. We want to be numero uno. We want to be the big kahuna. We want to call the shots. And so when someone calls us a child, it belittles us. It says we're nothing. We're to be seen and not heard. We're to be quiet and in the background that we don't get to make any of the decisions. When someone implies that we are children, it's insulting. It's demeaning. It's belittling. It's something that we will kick and scream and call them duty heads, and we are going to hold our breath until they take it back, and that's that. But is it always bad to be called a child? In our reading today, John says, we are called the children of God. As Christians, that's actually our badge of honor, to be called children. Not because of our childish behavior. That's not something that we should ever be proud of. But we rejoice that we are called the children of God. We rejoice in that glorious proclamation, not just here, but all throughout the Bible, that we are called the children of God himself. You see, our sinful nature, it only sees what we assume are the negatives of being a child. It sees that we are under someone else's authority, and clearly that's a bad thing. It sees that we're limited in what we're allowed to do, and that's just not right because we should be able to do whatever we want. It sees that we are not the supreme power or understanding of the world, and it resents that because we don't ever want to be told we're wrong. We don't ever want to be corrected. We don't ever want to find out that someone might be bigger or smarter or stronger or better than we are at anything. That's what our sinful nature focuses on when it hears that we are called children. It sees only what we think is awful and bad. But as Christians, knowing that God is loving, that he is merciful, that he is almighty, that he is omnipotent, that he is without error, 
we rejoice that he would deign to call us his children. We don't just look at the negatives and say, God's up there telling me I can't do what I want to do. No, we rejoice that as his children, he is our Heavenly Father. We are protected by his almighty arms. He keeps us safe. He keeps us as a father keeps his child. Not just tossing them out in the woods and saying, well, I hope you make it, kiddo. But protecting us, caring for us. He provides for our every need. Giving us not just what the basics to survive, but giving us luxury upon luxury, blessing upon blessing, bounty upon bounty in our lives. Yes, God sets rules and boundaries. But as children, we recognize that those are for our own good. That the laws that God has laid out are there to spare us from the pain and the misery and the heartache that sin wants to fill our lives with. That he's not just a petty tyrant saying, oh, they really like this, so I'm going to tell them no. He sees the pain and suffering that that garbage brings into our lives. And he says, I don't want my children to have to go through that. And so I will warn them. I will tell them this is bad. This will kill you. This will destroy your faith. Don't get involved in these things. It is a blessing that God gives us his law. It is a blessing that he lays down his commandments. It is a blessing that as a father, he disciplines his children. We rejoice that as his children, God speaks to us by his word chastising us when we need it, loving us always, proclaiming that we have nothing to fear, telling us that when we put our trust in him, he is the ruler of all things. He is the king of kings and lord of lords, and all things are held in his almighty hands. This is a joy for us, not a curse. It is not a curse to be called a child when we know that God is our Heavenly Father. But here's the beauty of what John writes. He says, Behold the love that God has for us, that we are called the children of God. And so we are. You see, God's word has power that man's word does not. When God created the universe, he didn't get out his universe-building Legos and put a whole bunch of pieces together. He spoke, and it was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the land be separated from the water, and it was so. And so when God calls you his child, you are his child. You're not just called children by God. You are made the children of God. We aren't just called children, we are his children. It's not just this honorary title that actually means nothing at all, like when a university gives a speaker who visits him and says, ah, what the heck, we'll call you an alumnus or give you an honorary doctorate, but it's a piece of paper and it really doesn't mean that much. We are made the full children of God. We are brought into his family. He places his name upon us, and we are his. He cares for us. He loves us. He doesn't just say, ah, what the heck, I'll call you one of mine, but you're still on your own. It doesn't change anything. We are spared from his holy and righteous wrath, 
And we are given absolutely everything that he has. We are not just called God's children. We are made his children. It's done so at a staggering price, but a price that not one of us will ever have to pay. Because the fact is, we couldn't. To be a child of God, it isn't for sale. It isn't something that we can earn. It isn't something that if we really put our nose to the grindstone and try really hard, then God's going to notice, and go, notice us and go, now that's a kid that I want to be in my family. No. By our sin, we were blind, dead, and enemies of God. We were the farthest thing possible from his children. We had absolutely nothing to offer. It's not like God went to the adoption pound and saw us in the cage with our puppy dog eyes and was like, well, that's a cute one. I'll go ahead and take him. We were vicious, snarling. We hated God. We despised him. We didn't want him anywhere near us. And because we were sinners, because we were his enemies, we had no hope of rectifying the situation. We were lost and condemned creatures who deserved only the fires of hell and God's eternal wrath because of our sin. God had laid out his law. We had willingly transgressed it. Everything that we do and are is sinful by nature, and we deserved nothing but eternal death. But in grace, in mercy, in love that we absolutely didn't deserve, God came to us in the flesh to stand in our place beneath his own holy law, to fulfill what we never could, to live the perfect and sinless life that is absolutely necessary to enter into his eternal paradise of heaven. In heaven there is no sin, only perfection. And so we who are sinful to the core, who we who are sinful by nature, have no hope of entering in. And so, in order to save us, Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, traded places with us. He who was without sin became the very embodiment of sin, taking every wretched and wicked iniquity upon himself, Every sin ever committed, every evil thought that you have had, every evil deed, every wicked notion that has crossed your mind, all of it was laid upon that spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. And in return, he gave us his holiness, his perfection, his righteousness. He took off his robe of righteousness and holiness and laid it upon you, proclaiming that you were his and your sin became his. All those who look to him in faith, our sin is removed from us as far as the east is from the west, just as he promised. He suffered and died on the cross under the weight of your sin to forgive you, to cleanse you completely. We are proclaimed innocent of all of our guilt because Jesus has paid our eternal penalty in full, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed from the clutches of Satan, proclaimed holy and innocent and righteous in the eyes of God, we now are called 
his children and not just called, fully made. We receive the full benefits, the full inheritance of children of God. Everything that is his, he has bequeathed to us. We are made saints, cleansed of our sin, the holy ones who stand in his presence without fear or trembling, knowing that he is our heavenly father. We are cleansed of all of our guilt and our iniquity, so the gates of heaven are open to us and we enter into that glorious paradise knowingly. We are given absolute assurance of eternal life in heaven, not by anything that we've done, but by what he has done for us. This is how we can be so confident at the funerals of Christians. This is why we speak with such certainty that we will see our loved ones again when they have died in the faith. This is why we celebrate All Saints Day, looking to the life of faith that those dearly departed that have left us this year and in all the years past, looking forward to that glorious reunion that we know will happen by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now on the flip side of that, Nothing is sadder for a pastor than doing a funeral for someone who showed no signs of faith. Now, we don't know for sure what happened in their heart in the last moments, but to rob themselves of a life of peace and certainty, to deny Jesus Christ for so long, to rob their loved ones of any certainty and leave them wondering, will I see them again? It is heartbreaking to not be able to give people the comfort that is so free, so available to everyone. When we see no fruits of Christianity in the lives of someone, to not be able to say, we will see them in heaven because they believed. But for those who clearly believed, those who bore the fruit of their Christian faith, we have no doubts whatsoever. Not because of how good of a person they were, Not because they had reigned in their sin and we can say, well, that was a good person, so of course they're in heaven. No. We have no doubts because it is God who has cleansed them of their sin. It is God who has worked faith in their hearts. It is God himself who declared them to be his child. For them, for those who believe, for those who look to the cross and repent of their sin, death is not the end. And we will see them again. Because those who are saints, those who have faith in Jesus Christ, we are set free from our sin and thereby set free from death itself. Just as Jesus Christ rose from the grave on that glorious Easter morning, our bodies too will rise to eternal life, to perfection, to be reunited with all of our loved ones who have died in the Christian faith to hunger no more, to fear no more, to have every tear wiped away from our eyes. We will enter into his perfect paradise of heaven to stand before his heavenly throne and sing his praises, joyfully serving our loving heavenly Father for all eternity. By his grace, we are his children. And he has given us not just a promise, but his kingdom. He has given us everything. He has given us life and forgiveness and grace and mercy and love when we deserved none of it. He has given us everything by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so today and always, 
we celebrate the faith of those saints who have passed from this world to heaven. And we rejoice that we too have been made saints. Even now as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even as we continue to struggle with our sin, we are cleansed, we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have not just been called children, but have been made the children of God. And we too will enter into that glorious paradise, won for us, prepared for us, built and preserved for us by our Heavenly Father. Not by what we've done, not by our saintly actions, not by anything that we have to offer, but by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, You are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.